hello and welcome to episode 33 of Nerd of Paradise. I'm your host Kate and in this episode we're going to be talking all about Doctor Who. And we have a special guest this time, you've heard him before, it's Rob Irwin of the Doctor Who show fame. How's it going Rob? (laughs) I wouldn't say fame Kate, but it's going pretty well. (laughs) Awesome. Also of formerly Who Wars, (laughs) if you're a past listener you might recognize uh, both our voices <laughs> yes we we knocked out 40 something episodes of who was <laughs> those were the days huh yeah good fun so i thought we could start this episode by asking a question we would ask a lot on that show which is star wars or doctor who oh kate it's got to be doctor who <laughs> <laughs> i had a feeling Not- you were gonna say that <laughs> Yeah, not just because we're doing a Doctor Who episode here today, but yeah, I gave up the Star Wars half of my podcast, so I've, I've pretty much got to say Doctor Who or I'll look like a hypocrite. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm really happy to be talking about Doctor Who, though. Like, I'm surprised that Nerd of Paradise has gone this long without a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, you've, you've held off very well, but uh, I think it's all the all, the floodgates are going to open, I think, Kate, well, I in the next I picked, hour or so. I picked a very good time don't you think? Oh, I think so. This is <laughs> this is where it all changes. Yet again, because Doctor Who is always changing, which is something we might get into. Uh, it's a very big year, and it's all going to kick off in a few months. Very interesting. We'll get more into that later on. But what does Doctor Who mean to you personally? Doctor Who means a lot of things to me. I mean, on, on one level, it's just good adventure stories in time and space. And being a bit of a history buff, I like that kind of thing. On another level, because it's been going for such a long time and I started watching it as a very young kid, there's a very nostalgic angle to it. So even when I'm watching new Doctor Who, it's still part of this overall show that I've watched since I was a kid. And, you know, if I delve deeper, I could probably find many different levels, you know. So it means lots of different things, but they're probably two of the big ones. Just good fun adventures in time and space and something a bit nostalgic. So right now I have some other audio clips I'm going to play from some other voices we may recognize and some you might not all of what doctor who means to them so i'll go ahead and play that hi it's jesse from passionately casual podcast kate asked me to speak for a moment or two about what doctor who means to me what i like about it so first my disclaimer is that i am not a doctor who expert i am not you know like really versed on the canon and i'm sure that there are a lot of intricacies that have escaped my notice or gone over my head so um this is just sort of an off the cuff why i spend my time watching doctor who kind of conversation so um i have watched um, a number of episodes from the old series, although I have not watched all of it. So we're talking about the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, but mostly I focused on the reboot that started in the 2000s, starting with the Ninth Doctor. So what I've found um, really appealing about the show um, are a couple of things. First of all, um, just from a pure entertainment perspective, I really enjoy the adventures. They're very creative. I find the writing um, to be fairly consistent um, in terms of delivering a good story in an hour um, that often can have twists and turns. Sometimes it can be a little predictable and sometimes just a little bit too convenient when the doctor suddenly thinks of something and solves all the problems in the last 11 minutes of the show. But um, in general, I find the um, the places that the doctor and his companions and friends go um, are really wild, fun places that um, I like adding to my imagination. Um, From sort of a more philosophical point of view, what I enjoy about Doctor Who is that it does tend to be progressive, uh, particularly in the reboot. Um, We are seeing women in prominent roles and people of color in prominent roles. And I really appreciate seeing that in mainstream television. So um, I enjoy that. Um, Of course, we have a female doctor. The first female doctor is coming, uh, Doctor 13. And that is really exciting for me. I really like the the actress who's going to be portraying um, the 13th doctor. And I'm really interested to see what she brings to the role, both as, um, you know, as a woman and as a performer. So that's really exciting. Um, 
some of the themes in Doctor Who that I've enjoyed are um, sort of the undying love theme. That's been really big during, I'm, I'm currently watching the 11th Doctor now, so that's the Matt Smith Doctor. And um, that theme has been really strong, um, both with Amy and Rory and their undying love. And also we've really gotten to see um, a lot more of um, River Song and the Doctor's story and how River Song actually ties into a lot of different things that I won't go into in case you haven't seen it. Um, but the undying love, the um, the legacy of... Um, of enduring friendship and um, never, like never turning your back on your friends and never saying die with love. I, I appreciate that in Doctor Who, and we saw that a lot with the uh, with the tenth Doctor as well, and with his companion Rose. I also like that not every companion has to be a love story with the Doctor. There are some romances or borderline romances, but a lot of them are more on the platonic side. And I like seeing men and women working together that way. So, um, yeah, so that's about it. I think that um, the Doctor Who um, is a nice dose of fantasy and science fiction in um you know, modern television tends to focus a lot on, quote, reality TV, and on really like hardcore gritty drama. And um, I think that having something that's a little bit um, almost frivolous, but still um, has valuable lessons for kids and adults, um, I think is is important. So yeah, Doctor Who, um, I, I hope that it continues to do well. I hope that it's very successful. Um, with our first female doctor, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where the show goes. Well, things I love about Doctor Who. How long have you got? Well, the first thing has to be the doctor themselves. I grew up watching repeats, or reruns, as you would say in the States, of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh doctors. So that's John Pertwee, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy. And that was in the 90s when. Doctor Who, the show, was stuck in the time vortex. <laughs> when it came back, I didn't really get into watching it until it was at the end of number 11, so that was Matt Smith. And then I went back and watched the rebooted series, and it was fantastic. Just fantastic, as Nine would say. I really liked the way they brought it back and really stayed true to what had come before in regards to all the mythology and canon, like the Daleks. Exterminate! Really, though, the main thing I love is the show's message. Here's this alien traveling around the universe in a ship that looks like a 1950s British police call box, which of course will now forever be associated with Doctor Who. And he's seeing the good in people and forever helping them out from whatever strange occurrence is happening, which is, which usually, let's face it, has something to do with the Doctor anyway. Either it's the Daleks come in, or the adipose aliens, or the Master. And, you know, and he's using nothing but a sonic screwdriver against all this, like, evil that wants to take over the universe or Earth or whatever. And that's an analogy in itself, because it's all bringing people together, you know, like a sonic a screwdriver's used to, like, create things. You know, it's not a weapon. It's, like, used to assemble a cabinet, as the war doctor would say. <laughs> but I'm really excited now for Jodie Whittaker to take on the role, because I think it'll be another wild ride. You know, it'll be probably a return to form. So I'm really looking forward to that, and, well... If you ask me who my favourite Doctor is, I'd probably have to say the tenth. It used to be the third, but I reversed the polarity. Molto bene. Allons-y. Of course I love them all, but I think ten had great storylines. It was just really fun and exciting, and I think that's going to happen with um, Jodie Whittaker. So, to everyone who is a Matt Smith fan, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> All right, so thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Dom. I'll put some links in the show notes so people can find the projects you're working on. And be sure to listen to the Star Wars Day and Beatles episodes of Nerd of Paradise to hear more from them. So say you were, <laughs> you meet someone and they're like, you do a Doctor Who podcast? First of all, what's a podcast? <laughs> and what's Doctor <laughs> Who? Yeah, that's generally what you get asked, isn't it? What's a podcast? Even here in 2018, what's a podcast? I'm like, where have you people been? Right? Yeah, um, right. But so the Doctor, how do you explain Doctor Who to someone who has 
no idea what it is. I I try and keep it pretty simple. I say, look, there's this guy. Well, I can't even say guy anymore because the new doctor's <laughs> a woman. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, there's this person, and they fly around time and space in a box that's bigger on the inside than on the outside. They uh, have different companions uh, who they pick up along their travels. And they have this uh, magical ability to change their appearance if they get uh, too injured or too old. And they can become a whole new person. And in that way, the show has continued for many, many years with many different actors playing the lead role. I think that would probably be my, be my like, one-minute pitch. And yeah. I'd take it from there. That's very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've so, had a bit of practice. <laughs> you've probably said it a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So let's go more in depth about the history of Doctor Who. So basically it's like in two sections right now, like there's classic Who and there's new Who. So do you want to tell us a little bit about classic Who first? Sure. When people talk about classic Who, they really mean between 1963 and 1989, there were 26 seasons made of um, this show, Doctor Who. And it began, as I said, in 1963 with the, uh, the lead role of Doctor Who, or the Doctor, as many people like to call him, uh, played by William Hartnell who was this, uh, he looks like an old man on screen, but he was only 55 at the time, but he was playing older. They put him in a long... Kind of like Alec Guinness with Obi-Wan. Yes, very much so. Good, good analogy. (laughs) Um, Except in this case, they put him in sort of a longer-haired white wig and uh, put him with some younger people as his uh, crew on his uh, time and space uh, ship, the TARDIS. Uh, which stands for time and relative dimensions in space. And then they just got around for for most of the year back in those days. There'd be an episode on almost every uh, week of the year. I think they only got like about three or four weeks off um, before they'd start filming the next season back in those days. It was incredibly grueling. And that actually contributed to, along with some um, mental health issues for the lead actor, um, to him having to leave the role. Uh, back in 1966 after uh, several seasons. And they were thinking, well, what what do we do? Do we just replace him and just pretend it's the same guy? Sort of like James Bond, you know? Mm-hmm. He always changes, but no one sort of questions why. Or, or, or how do we do this, you know? And they came up with this idea of regeneration, where someone of the Doctor's race, the Time Lords, uh, if their body is injured or just gets too old, wears out, uh, it can regenerate itself and turn into a whole new person, uh, which could appear to be young or old or could be male or female, as we know now. And in this way, they thought, well, aha, this is perfect. Every few years when the lead actor wants to leave, we can just regenerate them. And keep on going for years and years and years until about the mid 70s when one writer decided that the doctor could only regenerate 12 times <gasps> <laughs> and just arbitrarily put this rule into the show, which they've had to deal with in, in recent years because the doctor had regenerated that many times. Uh, but we're probably jumping ahead of ourselves. And look, just basically the doctor went from William Hartnell to Patrick Troughton, a much younger doctor, funnier doctor, Beatles haircut kind of doctor. <laughs> Uh, to John Pertwee, uh, the first Doctor to appear in colour on television back in 1970. Uh, By the mid-70s, he turned into Tom Baker, which I think everyone knows, because whenever Doctor Who is referenced, whether it's on The Simpsons or or some sitcom, it's it's always, oh, the Doctor with the long scarf and the hat. You know, some people seem to think that was the only Doctor that ever existed, and that's Tom Baker. He regenerated into Peter Davison, who's my personally, my favourite Doctor, uh, much younger, blonder, just a charming English gentleman type. He regenerated into Colin Baker, uh, a curly-haired, brash lion of a man, you know, boisterous, <laughs> you know, uh, didn't gel well with audiences. I uh, don't know whether it was his costume, which was this multicolored clown sort of outfit, uh, but he only lasted a couple of seasons until he regenerated into Sylvester McCoy, who pop culture fans might recognize from um, the Hobbit movies as uh, Radagast and um, and other things. He's been in Sensate more recently, for example. Sylvester McCoy, wonderful sort of character actor. And unfortunately, the series ended under Sylvester McCoy's uh, tenure back in 1989, uh, which was very sad. And we went into what is called the wilderness years, Kate. (laughs) Now, before we talk about New Who, we should probably talk about the wilderness years. So really, there's like three sections. 
Yeah, because in the wilderness years, this is, say, let's call it 1990 through to uh, 2004, because the show came back in 2005, um, basically Doctor Who existed as uh, novels and audio plays, and uh, fandom just made its own content for that period of time as well. And it was a very creative, interesting period. Hmm. Um you, you initially had Virgin uh, publishing publishing these novels, and then later the BBC took it over. So there's all these extra stories featuring the Seventh Doctor and then the Eighth Doctor, because in the middle of the wilderness years, Kate, we had a Doctor Who telly movie <laughs> introducing a new Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't get picked up and go anywhere. So we have this Doctor who sits in between Sylvester McCoy and Christopher Eccleston, who's the first Doctor of what we would call the new Doctor Who, uh, Paul McGann. And so we then had novels about the Paul McGann Doctor. All this content, an amazing time, actually, to be a fan. Some fans say, oh, the wilderness years were so sad. I actually think, no, we had more content than we ever would have had if Doctor Who had only been on television. I I actually have a fondness for the wilderness years, even though Doctor Who wasn't on television. So let's jump to 2005. No, let's jump to when you found out that there would be new Who. Do you remember that moment? I do. It would have been uh, in the second half of 2004 sometime when they were making it because it came back around uh, Easter of 2005. So they were they were making it by the second half of 2004. Mm-hmm. And I thought, gosh, OK, I, I think I'm ready to see this again because I'd have been enjoying the wilderness years. I'd been enjoying the novels. But it did feel like it's been away long enough that it could come back now and TV in mid-2005 was so different to TV in 1989, Mm -hmm. you know, especially British children's television of 1989, incredibly different to what they were wanting to do, you know, um, with the show in 2005. Not that they made it an adult show by any means, but just a slightly later time slot, modern special effects, no longer we'd have the wobbly cardboard sets that everyone makes fun of. I thought, yeah, this this could be amazing. This this could just be fantastic. And so I was very, very excited. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the history of New Who. Yes, well, New Who came back uh, in, in between when the show had been on originally, when the shows used to be run by pretty much a producer and a script editor working together. Um, Modern television is now more run by what people refer to as showrunners Mm -hmm. uh, who who are sort of writers and they're sort of producers, more executive producers, and script editors have pushed more to the side now. It's it's a Mm -hmm. little bit different. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, my mistake. (laughs) Russell T. Davis appeared on the scene as the new showrunner for Doctor Who. He was a long-time Doctor Who fan. He'd written one of those novels for Virgin Books back in the wilderness years, so his credentials were well on the table, and he'd been pitching the BBC saying, I want to bring back Doctor Who, here's how I want to do it, and finally someone had listened to him. So he uh, got Christopher Eccleston on board, who he'd already worked with, I believe, uh, on a past TV series and they started making this first series of of Doctor Who with Billy Piper as the companion. Billy Piper probably unknown around the world, uh, very well known in the UK as a pop star Mm -hmm. when she was a teenager. Um, You know, this little blonde popette with these very annoying repetitive songs. Um, (laughs) But to the rest of the world, a, a complete mystery. And what they created in that first series, I think, is still one of the best series of of New Who uh, to this day. Yeah, definitely. I remember, because when I, that's kind of what hooked me in, like, because I started watching New Who uh, when, I think it was, I don't know the exact year, but I think it was when uh, 11th Doctor was in, but I wanted to start from the beginning. So, of course, Mm. I had to start with the episode Rose and... Just like immediately, I was just sucked in and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, now when I look back at that first series, I think the second half of it is much better than the first half. But overall, I, I still think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I really cherish it because it's worth noting that the Doctor in that first series, 
doesn't return for the second series. He regenerates after just one series, which is unheard of in Doctor Who lore. It was really weird back in the 80s that Colin Baker only got two seasons. And here, Christopher Eccleston only did one series. And it's it's come out since then that he was having troubles with the producer and the production team and all that sort of stuff. You know, um, and and the showrunner, uh, Russell T. Davis, um, which is a shame, but he fondly remembers his his time on the mm-hmm. series, which is good. Um, he'll sign things to fans as the doctor. He's he's made funny little videos for sick kids in hospital saying, you know, oh, you know, hi, I'm the doctor and and <laughs> still playing the role for them. So he's not anti-Doctor Who by any means. Mm-hmm. He's even appeared at some recent um, sci-fi conventions in the UK, uh, signing and things like that. So he's slowly moving back into the Doctor Who fold. But mm-hmm. yeah, he was pretty annoyed during 2004, wow. 2005, and he stepped away from the role, regenerating into probably the best known of the new Who Doctors, <laughs> David Tennant. And my favourite. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty good Doctor. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about Tennant, Kate? What? Okay, so he has amazing hair. <laughs> it's just like not the first thing I would have brought up. <laughs> it's like just so fluffy, like. <laughs> but I don't know. He's just I like he's very like adventurous, and um, I thought he had really good chemistry with Rose. You know, obviously, you know, with the previous Doctor, there was that. The whole connection but then it kind of continued and so then we had that whole aspect um so, so we had rose and then who else is mickey considered like a companion oh sort of yes <laughs> sort of so yeah, yeah we go through like mickey jack harkness uh who else we got martha oh yeah martha and donna Donna, she was hilarious. <laughs> so Donna, we should say, played by Catherine Tate, who's a UK comedian. And again, it's like the Billy Piper thing. In the UK, she got cast. And people are like, oh, it's Catherine Tate. She's that comedian from that TV show. To the rest of the world, though, she's yeah. a clean skin. She's a total clean skin who, who people were just judging on her Doctor Who performance. And they loved her in it. Yeah, she. There, those are some of my favorite episodes are with Tenth Doctor and her. Yeah. No, the 10th Doctor is young. He's dashing. In in some ways, he's similar to my Doctor, Peter Davison, uh, just being that more youthful sort of dashing about Doctor. In fact, you'll know this, Kate. There's that funny little skit, Time Crash, that they did for charity where the 5th Doctor met the 10th Doctor. <laughs> and they sort of compare themselves. And the 10th Doctor's telling the 5th Doctor how he, he copied some of his look from him, like glasses and, you know, <laughs> sneakers and things like this. And it's the most charming little piece of video. It makes me cry every time I see it. Awesome. Yeah. Super cool. So if I remember right, like, they ended the 10th Doctor and um, those companions, and then they started fresh with, 11 and Amy, right? That's right. I, I guess they thought after Eccleston and Tennant, and Tennant stayed in the role for um, three full uh, series plus a, a year of specials, they thought, we need to maybe reboot this for mm-hmm. the kids. Not not a reboot in the sense that they went back to saying, oh, this is the first Doctor or anything like that, but just a, a general refresh where the, so the TARDIS... So they went younger. <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. They went to the youngest Doctor ever, even mm-hmm. pipping uh, Peter Davison uh, in, in the form of Matt Smith in his late 20s when he got cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, his first episode sees the the TARDIS crash and it has to sort of reboot itself and it gives itself a whole new interior and he meets a brand new companion and he hasn't brought over any companions with him from the previous uh, Mm -hmm. Doctor's era, which is generally a fairly common thing that the doctor's companions may last through different regenerations of the doctor Mm -hmm. i I think of uh tegan back in the classic era for example she started with the tom baker doctor and continued with the peter davison doctor almost until he regenerated a couple more stories she would have been with her third doctor tegan but uh, i digress um (laughs) yes so matt smith's series begins almost as a complete reboot that someone could just sit down and watch from Matt Smith onwards mm-hmm. and not really have to have any prior knowledge, which is kind of a smart thing on the behalf of the producers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it adds an interesting element, you know, 
how they interact with different aspects of their personality, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that's a beautiful thing about the series, too. It can be so many different things. And a lot of people say the Matt Smith era is very fairy tale like to them, mm-hmm. you know, with the way it's shot, the way it's lit, even the general story. And, and we won't go into deep spoilers, but Matt Smith meets his new companion as a young girl. Mm-hmm. And so to this young girl, this crazy guy has just landed <laughs> in her backyard in a box and he's mad. And he comes into her house and he eats fish fingers and custard uh, with her at the, the kitchen bench. And and she thinks, wow, he's amazing. And he gets back in his box and he says, I'll be back in a moment. But he doesn't come back until she's, I don't know what she's meant to be, 18 or 19 years old. And she's gone from being a young girl to being 18 or 19, always thinking about this strange mm-hmm. man who appeared in her backyard. And it just has that fairy tale sort of angle to it, mm-hmm. which sort of goes through at least his first couple of series at least and and that's nice and the the tenet era though it's not like a fairy tale it's a different thing to the eccleston era and they're mm-hmm. all different things to the doctor who comes after matt smith peter capaldi he yeah. had a completely different era yeah, so it's true. a it's a beautiful thing the show the show goes on as a man having fun or now a woman as i should say having <laughs> fun in their time and space machine but the way they do it can vary so greatly mm-hmm. between doctors and even between showrunners and still there's a lot of continuity you know little webs being woven in between and storylines and it's very fascinating oh absolutely the show has such a rich history to to delve on that writers you know if they're looking for an emotional beat to throw in here or there they can look back to past doctors past companions past events in the doctor's life and they can throw those things in and you don't have to have seen them to sort of realize, oh, they're talking about something that's important that happened mm-hmm. in the past. But if you did see those episodes, it has that added resonance and added meaning and, and just binds everything together. So you realize this is still the same character, just mm-hmm. with a different face. That's cool. Awesome. So you mentioned Capaldi. So he had Cla- <laughs> infam- infamous Clara. <laughs> well, there's she an example. Was, she of, was technically with Eleven for a little bit, that, wasn't she? That's right. So this is an example of a companion continuing between yeah. eras. You had Clara as the companion who came after Amy with the Matt Smith Doctor. He regenerates into Peter Capaldi mm-hmm. in front of Clara. She's in the TARDIS with him. She she knows he's about to change. She knows something's about to happen, but she's still pretty shocked when her, you know, because he, he's a dashing young guy as well as, right. as the tenant doctor. He uh, changes into this cranky old man with, <laughs> you know, short gray hair and a stern expression and, as people say, attack eyebrows and... <laughs> she she is she is stunned even though she knows it's going to happen she's still stunned when it happens Mm -hmm. and they have a much different relationship there's another example of how the storylines can change the doctor and clara are different when it's clara with the capaldi doctor much different to when it's clara with the matt smith doctor interesting so clara clara (laughs) clara 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 (laughs) (laughs) that was right around the time when i was when I was still on Who Wars, I think was right around that era. That's right. Yeah. So, so she was she was a kind of divisive companion because she she got to stick around with the two doctors. She got to do a lot of stuff in the series. A lot of very important stuff was written into her character. Mm-hmm. Some like some all people. The doctors and- uh, Indeed, she gets to save all the doctors mm-hmm. at one stage, uh, even the classic era doctors. Um, People thought maybe she was given a little too much, maybe stayed a series too long and maybe was getting a bit too big for her boots. You know, in her final series, she pretty much thought she was the Doctor or at least as good as the Doctor. And there was this hubris. There was this sense of "Mm, she's getting a bit too big for her boots. What's going to happen? And uh, we won't spoil it, but something (laughs) does happen. All Mm. right. So then there was one more companion after her, Bill. I really well, that's liked right. Bill. Bill Wait, is wonderful. There wasn't one in between, right? No, no. We we finish off the Clara story, and then we come back for Capaldi's third and final series, and he meets a, a university. Well, she's working in the kitchen at university called uh, Bill. 
she's a kitchen worker, but she'd like to take some courses and she'd like to better herself and learn some things. And so she starts sitting in on the doctor's lectures because the doctor has become a lecturer <laughs> all of a sudden. So this is the fun thing about because the doctor is so timeless and, and can just do things and, and not age very quickly. Uh, he can go and teach at a university for 50 years and it's no big deal to him. And so he's been at this university for a while with a, uh, a companion, an alien called Nardol, working as his sort of offsider, his manservant, maybe you could call him. <laughs> and uh, they meet up with Bill and Bill is, is a lovely, lovely companion, a breath of fresh air after Amy. And uh, she only lasts the one series. She she departs with Capaldi at the end of that series. Um, so she doesn't outstay her welcome at all. And she is fondly remembered as we sit here today as a brilliant, brilliant companion. People actually would have liked to have seen another series of Bill. <laughs> Isn't that the way I it think. goes? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to really <laughs> time your exits. Otherwise, you can't overstay your welcome. Because yeah. I think Clara, Clara really did. <laughs> yeah, they but, didn't want uh, to repeat their mistakes with Clara, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and you know, the Capaldi's final series is almost a reboot of the series again. You can sort of step in with that series, right. even though he's been going already for a couple of series. Start with the third series of Capaldi. There's another stepping on point for Doctor Who. You know, for people out there who are wondering, where do I start with Doctor Who? You can start with the third series of Capaldi, the first series of Matt Smith. You can start with the first episode from 1963. You can do whatever <laughs> you like, really. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's the beauty of it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that brings us pretty much to current day where we have the 13th. Is that correct? 13th Doctor? Is that oh, how they're doing it? Like, I assume that is. We, we could sit here and confuse your audience, Kate. By <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's the by War going... Doctor, too. Yeah. See, they've, they've squeezed in the War Doctor between Doctors 8 and 9. Technically, he is the ninth Doctor, the War Doctor, but because Christopher Eccleston yeah. came in back in 2005 and they said he is the ninth the Doctor, they then, <laughs> yeah, they had to sort of make up a reason why he wasn't being numbered and we have the War Doctor played by John Hurt. What a legendary actor to play yeah. the Doctor. Um, and then during the Tenet era, Tenet partially regenerated to save his life and created a whole other version of himself. That counts technically as a regeneration, <laughs> so... Really, the Doctor's numbering is quite off, but for the sake of simplicity, we say yes. Uh, Capaldi <laughs> was the 12th Doctor. Jodie Whittaker is the 13th Doctor. Awesome. So um, I wanted to play that clip uh, from the Doctor Who show when uh, they, when was it? Like earlier this year when they announced jo the new Doctor? I wanted oh, to play gosh, your reaction. No, that that would have been last year, I think. Oh, was it last year? Whenever that was, I was. Whenever yes. I was, I was catching up on old Doctor Who, the Doctor Who show <laughs> episodes, and that one just made me chuckle. So I wanted to play your because you got up like super early in the morning or something, right? Oh. I did. It was going to be announced overnight because it was being announced in the UK and I'm obviously down here in Sydney in Australia. So I knew that when I, I just had to go to bed and whenever I woke up, the news would be there. <laughs> and so I got up as early as I could and, well, the audio will probably tell you the rest. All right. So let's go ahead and play that. This is very exciting. I'm trying not to wake the house up here. I'm... All right. Here we go. BBC.co. Doctor Who. Meet the thirteenth doctor. Okay, there is a picture of foliage. <laughs> there's there's grass and there's shrubs. I'm guessing if I click on this I'm gonna find out what it who it is. It says it's gone up a minute ago. There's a person walking. It's a video. I haven't got sound. Let me get sound. You're walking through uh, bushland. Some ominous music. Could be a man or a woman at this point. Here's a hand. It's a man's hand. There's a key. Oh, hang on. A face could be a woman. It's a woman. No way. No way. <laughs> it's Beth from Broadchurch. It's Jodie Whittaker. Okay, this is not unexpected. 
she's been the bookie's favourite, and like Capaldi and Smith before that, gosh, my mind is is blank. Um, Like, I didn't think it would be her, as I've previously said online in the last 12 hours. I think she's very vanilla. I've never seen her do anything doctorish. Gosh, something I did say though, in the past 12 hours as well, though I think she's very vanilla, I'm sure she hasn't been picked without Chibnall having a plan, without knowing that she can do something interesting with the role, um, we have our first female Doctor, it's actually happened, the bookies, the bookies know, don't they, they really know. Alright, so... Has the general public's um, and or fandom's response to Jodie Whittaker surprised you at all? Uh, Yes and no, Um, because opinion on her has been mixed. And I think it's very unfair from both sides. Actually, I think it's unfair to be judging her either too favorably or too negatively, um, because certainly both of those things are happening. There are people out there who are saying, Jodie Whittaker is my favorite doctor. She (laughs) is amazing. She is incredible. And I think you haven't seen an episode. You are crazy. (laughs) But conversely, there are people who are saying, Jodie Whittaker, oh my God, it's a woman. The show is ruined. This is Mm -hmm. terrible. She, she will be awful. Oh, I'm never going to watch again. (laughs) And I, and I equally think you are crazy. Yeah, uh, and this is the thing in any any fandom, whether it's Star Wars, Doctor Who, Star Trek, whatever it is, Riverdale, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to just pull some genre shows out of my head. There are crazy fans at either end of the spectrum True. who think everything is brilliant or everything is horrible, and it, it's just crazy stuff. So, yes, I'm I'm always surprised by those opinions because they're crazy, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, you just have to take it as being part of a fandom. I think generally most people are interested that the show will have yet again another sort of reboot. Something different is happening. It's a, it's a female doctor. Mm-hmm. She'll have a, a TARDIS team with three companions. That hasn't happened for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it could be quite interesting. But until we actually see what's happening under this new showrunner, Chris Chibnall, uh, who can really say, you know, you, you're either prejudging it unfairly by saying it'll be bad or, or equally unfairly by saying it'll be really good because we just don't know. Uh, what do you think of Jodie Whittaker's acting? Like, I've only seen her in Broadchurch before and I liked her in that, but this is a totally different role. Yeah, I've seen her in Broadchurch. I've seen her in the movie Attack the Block which has John Boyega in it. So oh, you should look that it. up, I've, Kate. I know. I've never seen that, but I have heard of it. You should look that up. That's quite fun. Uh, and she's been in this other series I saw, which I details very hazy. I think she's a very good actor. Uh, I've also seen her act on stage in some YouTube clips. In fact, one YouTube hmm. clip where she was acting against Christopher Eccleston. Interesting. And, and I thought, look at that. Two doctors on stage and, and no one knew at the time. And she on... Broadchurch. That's right. She worked with Tennant on Broadchurch. And, of course, the showrunner of Broadchurch was Chris Chibnall, Chibnall who is the new showrunner of Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, without doubt. (laughs) You know, people were saying in the lead-up, oh, Chris Chibnall will pick Olivia Coleman, who is on Broadchurch Mm -hmm. and who many people like, and she's an older, middle-aged sort of woman. And they thought, yeah, she could probably be a very good Doctor. And she's worked with Chris Chibnall. Oh, yeah, it's Olivia Coleman. But no, he actually had his eye on the younger Jodie Whittaker, who apparently off off camera, on Broadchurch, she's quite serious. Her child's died. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite horrible. But off camera, she was apparently quite fun and goofy and would joke around. And he could see something in her like, yes, I think you could be a really interesting doctor. And uh, I think probably about 48 hours out before the announcement, people were starting to twig. Ah, it's not Olivia Coleman. It could be Jodie Whittaker. Mm. Interesting. So, uh, something that you said there makes a good segue. Um, did you see the clip of her at the Her Universe fashion show at Comic-Con this year? I did. She walked out with the hood of her jacket up. That and was amazing. Thought, oh. Like, she just, yeah. she had such such swag and, like, she just totally was so into the role. Like, yeah. Was... Pe- pe- 
people, I think Kate was saying, oh, that's a really good cosplay. Look yeah. at that. That that costume looks quite authentic. And then the hood came off. <laughs> that and was it's, so cool. It's, it's actually the real costume, guys. Yeah, it was, was the real Doctor. Yep, that was so awesome. Um, let's see. So do you have any predictions about where her character line might go, things that might happen, that sort of thing? I have the sense she'll be fun and goofy, partly because of the costume they've put her in. It's not a very serious... Kind of reminds me of Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a T-shirt, there's these three-quarter pants, there's these old boots with, you know, I don't know, right? football socks or something. She's got suspenders. I, the I coat like the coat is, is very interesting. And, and, and just hearing about her on the set of Broadchurch being fun and goofy, between the costume and hearing what she's like and how Chris Chibnall might have been attracted to her, I think she might be a fun doctor. I, I don't get the sense she'll be angsty and, mm-hmm. you know overbearing kind because of a we're little just... more like 11 yeah yeah not not the same as him but yeah. out of all the doctors more like him i yeah. think because we've just had an older doctor who was very serious and about the universe and very you know old <laughs> i think this reborn doctor will will just have all the joy of wanting to get out in the universe and show it to her three new companions and that's exciting too what are these three new companions going to be like? much. who are they again <laughs> well you have you have these three characters um one graham as his character's name will be is an older guy he's about 55 56 the guy who plays him in real life uh so that's interesting. The Doctor will look much younger than one of the companions. Mm. We haven't really seen a lot of that in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some of the audio adventures, the Sixth Doctor had a um, an older woman as a companion, which mm. people quite liked, actually. And then we have a couple of characters who are much younger, uh, a guy and a girl, and they're called Ryan and Yaz. And so it's going to be interesting how these two younger characters, Ryan and Yaz, get along with the Doctor, how they get along with Graham, who's an older sort of guy, because uh, Ryan and Yaz are also people of color as well, which is a little different. So they're, they're sort of throwing in some diversity into the series. A lot of the companions in the past have been just white. All the Doctors have been white. Uh, so there's there's some different stuff going on. Bill Potts, of course, was a person of color. Um, and, and that's it. Martha as well. But uh, over the history of the show, it's been quite rare. So it's still a, a noteworthy sort of thing that Doctor Who is still diversifying. And that's, I think, a really good thing, but especially as it, as it has such a global audience these days. Yep. You know, I think people like to see that sort of thing. So do you think they'll, you know, are they going to play with the with the Doctor being a different sex kind of like on a romantic level? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because the Doctor in the past has had relationships. Uh, think of the Doctor and River Song. Mm-hmm. If this Doctor meets River Song, are they still in love? I'd like to think they still are, you know. That was, that was uh, another thing that happened at Comic-Con. <laughs> she, met, she met her wife. <laughs> yes. So... It gets very, uh, it gets very tricky. I, I hope though that they don't go too overboard into the doctor sort of being, being like, oh look, I'm a woman. Oh look, what are these? And maybe grabbing <laughs> at a chest or something. I mean, that would just be horrible, wouldn't it? Like, I, I'd rather it's like, oh, I'm, I'm different, okay, but it doesn't become this plot point. You yeah. know, I, I'd, I'd like us to, to brush past that because the interesting thing is not so much that Jodie's a woman, but that the Doctor is this new person Mm -hmm. and with a new personality. And let's not focus on the Doctor's sex because Mm -hmm. that's that's probably the least interesting thing in in some ways. I know it's very important for women to see a woman on screen playing the Doctor. Totally get that. Don't get me wrong. But I think to, to just play up Oh, gotcha. I'm a lady now. I think it just it just would get old very quickly. Gotcha. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. And indeed, I've sometimes said, look, the way she has this older male companion, will they walk into rooms, especially in, say, ancient times or, or even, you know, a few hundred years ago, and the villain or whoever they're meeting 
will assume that the older man is the doctor. Could that become a fun mm. sort of plot point? Whereas the doctor can sort of stand back and sort of smirk, you know, <laughs> because yeah, her true. companion's the one in trouble. Uh, because when you go back in history, the man would be the one assumed to be in charge of the, the team, you know. Mm. That's that's just historically accurate. Can they have some fun with that? Maybe they will. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. It'll be fun, <laughs> whatever happens. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> so when do those episodes air? The BBC have said, look, it'll come out in the uh, the autumn, I think, for them. I always get confused because the be seasons are reversed. The second we press stop, I bet. <laughs> of, of, of course, of course it will. You, you might have to drop uh, the date in, Kate. But <laughs> the BBC has said uh, uh, autumn. I think it will probably play out so that the final episode will end sometime in early December. And then by late December, we'll have a Christmas special. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that, that's been pretty much standard for Doctor Who in, in the second half of the year. As I say, some series have played from sort of Easter time onwards, but if they play in the second half of the year, this would be the, the time to play it through mm. to early December. Gotcha. Very mm. cool. All right, so I think we're going to start winding down a little bit here, but I wanted to do something a little different and ask some fast fire questions. Um, Ooh. <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so I want your least favorite doctor. Colin Baker. Companion. Adric. Series. Really tough, but it's probably, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Trial of a Time Lord, uh, season 23. Uh, monster. Oh, the, the, any really rubbishy, rubbery thing from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Fair they enough. They just look horrible. <laughs> And episode. Oh, that's so tough. But <laughs> I'm going to pick a tenant episode just to annoy you, Kate. Oh. Uh, I'm I'm going to say fear her. Which one is that? <laughs> the one with the one where the small child is drawing things on paper and they come to oh, life yeah. and just like horrible. <laughs> if if not that, then the Rings of Akaten with uh, Matt Smith, where there's this children's choir and they start singing at one point, and I'm like, oh, oh just yeah, shoot me now. <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> oh, man. Good times, good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. All right. So do you have any final thoughts about Doctor Who? Yes. I think Doctor Who is the most amazing series on television just because it can be so many different things. The lead character can change and no one blinks an eyelid. The episodes can be set in the present day, in the future, in the past, on other planets, on our planet, whatever. Um, they can be funny, they can be sad, they can be funny and sad. They can be so many things that other shows don't get to be. Um, that might put some people off because some people might like to, to know what they're getting from a show week to week. You know, if you watch uh, Riverdale, you know that Archie and his pals are going to go to school <laughs> and something will happen and, you know, there'll be some laughs and that'll be that. But when you watch Doctor Who from week to week, it can be anything. And <laughs> if you like that sort of thing, I think you'd love Doctor Who. And that's why I like Doctor Who. I love the variety. So this isn't on our agenda, but do you have something, like say someone's like, I really want to get into Doctor Who, what episode would you recommend? What would you tell them? Oh, that is so amazingly hard. I mean, <laughs> you'd probably want to start them on New Who just because it's modern television. It only goes for 45 minutes an episode. And it looks you know, competent in terms of special effects and stuff. Uh, you're showing them something from like the late sixties in black and white, you know, it takes a very yeah. special person to really latch onto that straight away. Pe people do love that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but in a broad sense, show them a modern episode, you know, show them one of these reboot points in the series, show them Matt Smith's first episode or, you know, the first episode of Capaldi's third series or show them the very first episode, Rose, back from, you know, 2005. You know, there are so many stepping Blink? on points. Well, everyone <laughs> says Blink, but Blink, Kate, is a Doctor Light episode. You, you hardly true. have the Doctor in it. So it's not, it's a very scary episode. It's a very fun episode. It's a very well-written episode. It's an amazing episode. It deserves all the accolades it gets. But as a first episode, it's kind of not quite on the money in terms of you don't get to see a lot of the Doctor. So I know that's a popular one, but I personally wouldn't suggest it. I, I, 
if if you had to pin me down right now, and we're doing this off the cuff, so I haven't really given it huge thought, I'd say Matt Smith's first episode. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. The eleventh hour. All right, so there you go, people. If you're wanting to get into Who, Rob said to watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't blame me. And if you don't like it, go and watch another Doctor. Because as I say, different yeah. Doctors resonate with different people. True. You know, there are people who love the Capaldi Doctor. There are people who hate the Capaldi Doctor. Conversely, <laughs> they love Tennant. And there's other people who say, mm-hmm. oh, Tennant, he just appeals to girls who like fluffy hair, like Kate. <laughs> 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 All right, so before we go... What is going on in the Doctor Who show world? Like, what do you guys got going on there? Oh, we, we've we got... Every episode, we try and do something new. We try and have a topic. For example, in the last episode, our topic was... Uh, which new Who episodes would you like to see an old Doctor appear in? Mm. Not, not, not as a guest, but as, like, the lead. So, think of... Think of Blink, Kate. Can you think of like a classic era Doctor Who you'd rather was the lead in that rather than, you know, uh, Tennant? Uh, and we came up, myself and my partner on the show, Dave, we came up with a, an example for each Doctor and that was a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, this next episode, Dave is on holiday, so I'm getting a guest uh, host in and we're going to go through 40 companions in 40 minutes. Whoa. We're gonna- yeah, we're going to discuss 40 Companions in 40 Minutes. That's going to be crazy. Like I say, each episode we try and have a, a, a topic that, that's fun and that we do. But we also talk through the news. We talk about other TV shows we've been watching and things like that. So we we hope it's interesting for people month to month. We come out on the last Sunday of every month. Very cool. So mm. why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can find it, where they can find you guys online, where they can interact, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you go to the dwshow.net, you can stream the episodes right there off the site or it gives you details on how to get us into your podcatcher of choice and you can listen to us like a, a normal podcast. Uh, Twitter is at the dwshow, facebook.com forward slash the dwshow. They're the two ways to really get chatting with us or email hello at the dwshow. You can tell I've done this before, huh? <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, Rob, allons-y. <laughs> allons-y, Kate. Oh, wait, what did I say on, on Whores? Allons-y and may the force be with you. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> <laughs>